Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. What's up, everybody? My name is Scotty Hines, and alongside of me is my friend and pastor, Jeff Ludington, the lead pastor at Generations Church in Shooters, California. Jay Led, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well, man. That's a lot of emphasis on the lead pastor. Man, that sounds Ooh. really, really important, and I am not. <laughs> uh, you're important. You are important. Not all that, man. No, how sure. you doing this morning? It's been a minute, man. It's been a couple of weeks since we were able to record, right? I know, but the listeners didn't know that, so you kind of let them in on our secret. Oh, man, I gave ourselves up. <laughs> all right. It's all good, That's man. I'm doing good. I'm encouraged. I'm ready to... I'm excited about today, so I'm looking forward to the stuff we talked yeah, about me earlier. Too. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, let's dive right into it. Uh, today, we want to do a little something different. We want to just kind of, we, Pastor Scott's got some questions for me at the end, just kind of stimulate some conversations. So we're going to work our way through the catechism questions and answers quickly. Um, there's four of them today. It's episode 33, meaning Lord's Day 33. It's the Heidelberg Catechism, if you're unfamiliar with that. This was a way of training Christians written about, a, about 450 years ago. It's been used for century after century after century. And it is a way of learning by memorizing questions and answers. And so today, <clears throat> excuse me, today is, as I said, four questions and answers. I want to do the first one with Pastor Scott. And then we'll just kind of pause for a second and set ourselves up for the next three. And so imagine yeah. this like a father to a son, right? You know that... You ask a question and there's a memorized answer. It's like your math teacher says, what's four times four? And your instinctive answer is 16. You're memorizing truth so that when you need it, you have it. And so Absolutely. here is question 88. What is involved in genuine repentance or conversion? Answer, two things. The dying away of old self and the rising to the new life. Ah, they give me the, the, the least amount of reading and I butcher it. Like next week, uh, I have like a paragraph three. The answer, here we go. Again. Let's do it right here Please. from the top. The listeners are going to give you grace. It's like a mulligan in golf. Ready? Uh, what is go. involved in genuine repentance or conversion? Two things. The dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. That's perfect, man. Almost like you know what you're doing. Whew. All right. <laughs> so, hey, I wanted to use this this question. What is involved in genuine, and that's the key word, genuine repentance or conversion? We're talking about what does it really mean when someone comes to faith in Jesus? And I want to kind of push this in our culture today because really many, many, many people in America would tell you they're Christians. And if I'm really honest, if I'm just kind of brutal, I would say that many of them say they're Christians, quote unquote Christians, because they were born in America or, you know, or born here, born somewhere that is prominently Christian, and then after being born, they never converted to atheism or Buddhism, right? Like they they stayed kind of American, or even this is true if you're Hispanic, you're from Mexico, it's prominently Catholic, right? Yeah. So you're born there, maybe you attend Christmas and Easter, but does that really make a Christian? And so the question is, what's involved in genuine repentance or conversion, which is a requirement of every Christian? The answer is the dying away of old self and the rising to life of the new. This is really, we could summarize this by saying transformation. Transformation yeah. is the requirement of every Christian 
all the time. There's a book by uh, an author pastor who is very well known named John Piper, and he writes this book called Finally Alive. And in it, he takes issue with Barna, a, a Christian statistician who notes that, you know, this large percent of, percentage of America claims to be born again Christian or whatever. And then he does some statistics within that and says that within the church, there's actually equal or, you know, roughly the same amount of divorces that take place outside the church. And there's a few other things that just show the church not to be much different. And Piper takes issue with that and, and some of the terminology in it. And he says, listen, that's not truly what Christianity is. That may be people that identify as Christian, but that's not what the Bible calls being a follower of Jesus. And yeah. so he tells the story of C.S. Lewis, who goes from atheist to prominent, well-known Christian in the last century. He talks about uh, a couple others as well. But his point is that Christians will be marked by transfer transformation. And this transformation in the catechism is talking about the dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. Who you were must die and who you are becoming in Christ must live. And so with that in mind, let me ask you the next three questions and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I love it. Question 89. What is the dying away of the old self? To be genuinely sorry for sin and more and more to hate and run away from it. Sin. Excellent. What is the rising to life of the new self? Wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a love and a delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. Okay. Question 91 expands on that last answer. It says, what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith, conform to God's law, and are done for God's glory, and not the basis of our own opinion, our human tradition. Good. So our, really, what we want to look at is what this all kind of means for us today, right? I want to start yeah. with a verse out of Hebrews. It says, mm -hmm. and without faith, it is impossible to please him, man, God. For whoever yes. would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he reward those, rewards those who seek him. Now, I, I grabbed this verse because I wanted to ask a simple question. In our culture today, a common understanding of Christianity that is false is, or a common understanding of eternity. Oh, I know that my buddy or my grandma or so-and-so over here is in heaven because, number one answer in America, they are a good person, right? That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christianity teaches, that it, it teaches yeah. that eternity with God is through Christ alone, not on being a good person. But the concept of being a good person is relevant. If I ask someone, hey, are you a good person? Really in their minds, what they do is, oh, well, I may not be like Mother Teresa, but I'm not like Hitler either, so yes. You know, they kind of grade on a curve, right? And um, I think <laughs> I'm a good person because, you know, we didn't do anything really, really bad this week. So. Um, and then you look at people and you, you, okay, well, what about people that do really good things? Well, here's a great question. So uh, here's a great example that I can think of is Oprah. Like Oprah's not a Christian, doesn't profess to be a Christian. Every once in a while, she flirts with Christian things, but she's really new age kind of self-help, you know, be the best you you can be, uh, that kind of thing. She does amazing things. Like she builds schools for, you know, African little, little girls in Africa, does all kinds of things, right? But she does it, and I, I'm sure her heart is pure, and I'm generating. I don't know that. I mean, but I'm just assuming the best of her, assuming she wants the best for other people. But are those the kind of good works that Christianity should produce? And according to 
what's most important according to the scriptures, right? It's no. Secondarily, according to the catechism, that's also not what God's looking for, right? So yeah. Hebrews eleven six again says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's right, yeah. So how do we tackle two things, dying to self, rising to life of the new and good works, right? So yeah. Scott, I said we would, we would kind of talk about that and then leave time for you just to ask some cultural questions. You told me this and we, and so those of you that are listening right now, we didn't really prepare for this. And so we, uh, Scott said he's been really wrestling through some of this in his own mind, in his own life. And uh, I said, well, let's, let's take some of your wrestlings, your musings, your ideas, your questions. And under this paradigm, if being a Christian really means transformation, if it really means dying to who you were, and giving life to something new in Christ, where Christ gives life to it. I don't want to sound like we do it, but that giving life to that new person that Christ is creating and then doing good works. And if you guys remember from our last episodes of the podcast, Ephesians 2.10, right? That we are created in Christ to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So there are works out there that God desires us to do. Yeah. They are not the thing that merits our salvation, but they are the thing that God saves us so that we can do. Yeah, yeah. All right, Scotty. What'd well, I like right off the bat. So, well, right off the bat, you started off with the one, how do we die to self? That's a great question. Let's start there. That's the first question of the, the set of the catechism anyways, but dying to oneself. Um, now, what does that look like to you? You know, yeah. um, it, so to me, <clears throat> to die to oneself, I think you have to acknowledge the, the, the sinful nature that you have, right? Mm -hmm. that's, and then that'll produce faith because now you, you're, once you acknowledge that, and you have to then look to well, what brings life. So then sure. we start to look to, to God's word. You know what I mean? You mentioned walking in um, uh, the works prepared beforehand. I also think too, and this is what I always try to do when I talk about faith, right? Like what is walking in faith and dying to self? Because um, they, they answer what are good works, right? And it's the answer to the fourth question is those which are done out of true faith. And so on Tuesday night, I have two dudes who, two young men who just come to faith. I mean, they are as raw as it gets. One's very new agey. He kind of has some of that uh, self-help. You speak it, Scott, so you're dealing with a little bit of that. But then they're like, well, what's faith then? And it's just like, well, let's just start with the most narrowest context we can find. And it's what do you understand about God? You know what I mean? Sure. What, have we, what have we learned over the last two weeks? Now, how are we applying that? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that, and I think, I think when you start faith on small steps, and I told him too, I said, what's the easiest step of faith? And uh, I don't know, you know, saying no to sex, it's kind of your common thing from a young boy. Sure. I, that's, I can get the first, that's the reason first thing come out of their mind. But I'm like, well, how about, you know, how about just honoring God as a man? How about starting to look at women different or um, um, just obeying what you know? And uh, you were going to say something right now? No, it just made me think of something. So um, when we teach theology, typically, um, this doesn't always happen, but when you teach theology yeah. from a an organized or systematic approach, um, I suggest, and, and I think this is right, that you would be uh, that you would start theocentric, right? You would start with the doctrine of God. The most important question we can answer is who is God, right? Yeah. Um, and again, we who has God revealed Himself to us, right? 
meaning we can never fully understand God, but God has revealed himself. God desires us to know him as he's revealed himself. So who is God to the best of our ability, right? Identifying that. And the second topic tends to be um, biblical anthropology, right? So who are who are we? Who is humanity? What is, you know, how were we created? What's wrong? Where did it go wrong? What happened, right? And when we get those two things, really, who is God and who am I, uh, which is, you know, oddly enough, in one of the introductions to the um, to John Calvin's Institutes, it, it talks about that true knowledge exists in knowing who God is and knowing who we are. That's a paraphrase of what he said, but when we get to that place, um, people tend towards um, behavioral modification, right? Like you said, young men will go, well, you know, you know, start saying no to you know, sex before marriage or something like that. They look towards sin. And, and I get it. That's an, and I'm, they're not wrong. It's also not maybe the best place to start or something, really understanding who God is, who we are. Knowing who God is, knowing who we are, knowing how we're fallen really pushes us back to like what you said earlier, scripture. You asked the question, how do we die to ourselves? Well, first we figure out who God is, and then we realize God wants to speak to us. We figure out who we are, broken yet saved in Christ, and we begin to allow God to speak through Scripture, you know, through others, through the church, through things like that. Man, we allow God to speak to us and allow God to shape who we are. I think the dying to self is having us shape who we are, and the giving life to newness of life in Christ is allowing yeah. God to shape us. And so um, just this morning, man, I, I've been, so I have a, a high school group that I meet with and I have an adult group that I meet with. I'm going through some of the same stuff, but uh, some of the same material. But um, yesterday I asked my high school students, I said, be praying about, we're going to meet on Monday. We're going we're gonna to spend some time in prayer again. And I said, be praying about what sin God would reveal to you. Mm -hmm. I know what, if you ask me what my sin, I might come up with some things immediately that are present in my life. But what about what God would share with me to tell me what's really inhibiting my life? What what sins might God bring up that I might not expect or I might even see in my life, right? Well, that's dying to self. I think a major problem in Christianity in America today is that we have deeply, deeply, deeply blurred our American citizenship with our biblical relationship in Christ, right? Big time. Big time. There's nothing wrong. And again, man, you're saying this to a guy who couldn't wait, man. I, I joined the army at 17. I could not wait to serve, right? That didn't work out all the ways I'd hoped it would, but anyhow, that was the idea. Man, I love this country. I love the rights that we've been given here. I'd much rather be an American citizen or an American national than I would be a Chinese national. That's for sure, right? Or a Russian national. I mean, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But the rights given to me by the Constitution, even if it says they're endowed to me by my creator, they're not the same thing, right? Not at all. And what God calls me to is very different. And so I think dying to self real, makes you, you know, forces you to realize that it's different than what I want. If you step on my rights as an American, God may or may not call me to respond uh, in ways of submission, surrender, care, grace, kindness, or whatever. Yeah. It's looking for God to shape us rather than us shape us. And, I, and I'd like to go back to your earlier analogy, and I like that. And I would say here's one way we could start. Right. When you say die to self. So you said Oprah's work. Not here to bash on Oprah. You brought her up. Um, but Oprah, or let's just say the world, well, the world would promote itself. Meaning yeah. at the end of the day, the works that it's going to promote, it's going to exalt itself and not God. It may reference, thank God, or I want to thank God for this guild award. Look, you're promoting yourself. Okay. 
And then a believer would promote God alone. And that's, that's a whole process in itself. Um, that's one. And it's one, it's hard to give examples because people who really promote God don't really receive glory. Um, as a matter of fact, they don't let their right hand, uh, left hand know what their right hand's doing. There's a very in the closet, I'm promoting God. Um, I mean, I know many people now that just, they'll do a lot of amazing things, helping out needy people and just, you'll never know it. You'll never know it. And I think too, um, as you kind of continue to see how these works, well, another area where believers can easily be deceived is like the word blessing. That word is so beat down. Um, I mean, if you want a true definition, and we can expand on this, so, so don't take this as an emphatic theological statement, but it should be a starting point for you. That is very listening. Deuteronomy 28, cursings and blessings. Now, those are legit uh, cursings from God and blessings. And we, we tend to think cursing like, like a, a spell. You've cursed, and now you, you, know, you can't speak out of your mouth. Or, 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 you know, but it's like, dude, when you start to read the cursings, God's like, hey, if you play with these sins, there's some, there, they, I'm going to give you over to them. And they're going to have self, self-destruction in them. It's not this thunderbolt that's going to come down for me. There's a self-destructing nature to them. And then when you look at blessings, um, there's, a self, um, there's a life giving to them. And let me give you the example of what I mean by missed blessings. And uh, I hope anyone can ask and just sit with this. I have a buddy, and uh, he really tries to uh, encourage me that, that Joel Osteen is uh, a, like a really good Bible teacher. I'm like, well, dude, do Joel Osteen's own words? He's not. He even says if you teach theology, you won't have attendance. And I showed him the article, you know, where, where you, you quote him. But the only reason why I'm, I bring that up, it's not the bash, it's to lead to this point. He calls me and goes, oh, my God, because I work for him. This is my, my, my boss. So I totally just threw him under the bus. Oh, my God, the company is doing amazing. We are blessed. God's blessing is upon us. You see, just like Jolson says, if you honor God, you get these blessings. And, I, and, and to me, I'm like, well, what about the uh, child molester who's cheating on his wife, uh, stealing from taxes and, and doing all this corrupt stuff, but his company's flourishing? He has the same reward you have. How is that a blessing from God? Maybe the blessing is not in the money. Maybe the blessing is in what you do with the money. Maybe God has given you an opportunity to be a blessing and to start to redefine it because worldly accomplishments don't necessarily equal God's blessing. And I think when we as Americans can start to separate that because we look at our country from a success on capitalism and we've done all this X, Y, and Z. Oh, that's great. That's man's works though. And and look at the end of man's work. It comes to confusion. Um, But that's not God's work and we can't mix the two. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. Let me use that to press in a little deeper. So here's what I would, um, I think what you said is right. Um, that, uh, as an example with Oprah, and I said, let me, you know, when I use Oprah as an example, I want to just assume the best. Maybe she's doing it from pure motives. Maybe she's doing it purely for self. I have no idea. I can't read, you know, I can't, I don't know her heart. So I'm not assuming the worst either. But even if Oprah was doing something for purely for the good of young people in Africa. Let's just, let's just give her the benefit of the doubt in that for a minute. Yeah. Let's just Absolutely. say she was doing that and it wasn't selfish. And if a Christian was doing the same thing for the same reason to bless those little kids in Africa or you know anywhere, I'm just using, I know Oprah's done that. So I'm just using that as an example, might be for us, man, going and building stuff down in Mexico in poverty stricken areas, right, whatever. But if we were truly doing it out of a pure heart to bless those people, there is still a distinction between what the non-believer does and what the believer does. 
that yes. the answer to this, right, is without faith, anything is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe it exists and rewards those who seek him. Okay, great. What are good works according to the catechism? Only those which are done mm -hmm. out of true faith, conform to God's law, and are done for God's glory. That's the key line, right? Done for God's glory. It goes on to say, not those based on our own opinion or human tradition. Fine. Done for God's glory. When we build a school in sub-Saharan Africa, in poverty-stricken areas of Mexico, here in LA, in poverty areas, right? We do it to glorify God, not just to educate kids. We may want to educate kids, but we ultimately want to see them know Jesus, right? Oprah doesn't have that to her, right? An atheist doesn't have that option, doesn't want that option. We want to see God glorified when we're doing the right thing. So here's probably the, the struggle. When people see blessing, they, they tend to see blessing, like you said, maybe favor in their finances. And I think God can bless people in their finances. The distinction Absolutely. with Joel Osteen is he is he's a prosperity doctrine guy, meaning he believes if you do this, God will make you rich. I mean, that's a generic kind of broad stroke statement of that, but it's a give and take. You do this and you earn reward from God. It's very off track, right? where sometimes the blessings will be financial, sometimes they'll be otherwise. I think America is a blessed nation in one sense. Do I think it's being blessed by God right now? Man, I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that this nation is submitted to God in order to be blessed to God. Do I think this is a prosperous and powerful nation? I absolutely do. Do I think it's being blessed by God? I, I, I'm not sure I would go that far. Do I yeah. think I, it was when it was created? Maybe. I mean, I'm not that big of a historian, but maybe. What I think we need to hear, the blessing we're looking for, is God's favor upon us, not just financial. Is God's favor, is, is he on our marriages? Is he on our children? Is he on our influence in the community? Is he blessing our church, giving it a place in our community to reach people who are in need? Is God using me in my neighborhood to care for my neighbors in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic is god blessing us to be a blessing to others i think that's where you and i kind of tie back to the same place maybe god is giving us so that we can give to others maybe god is blessing us so that we can be a blessing to others most of the time what you hear about for people being blessed it kind of dead ends into them it's their own residual blessing finances house, whatever it yeah. might be, but it's not being used to bless others. And I always default back to, and we can close up with this, man. I always default back to Abraham. I think it's Genesis 12 when God says, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. You know, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to the nations, right? I'm going to bless you. Yeah. That's going to be good. I'm going to make you, uh, in the case of Abraham, he does become a wealthy man. I mean, he does become an amazing father. He does have a lot of blessing that he gets to enjoy. But the purpose of it is, is he would pour it out, point to God, and share that blessing with others. When true repentance yeah. and genuine faith come together, God will bless that life. Doesn't mean it'll be perfect. You still might die of coronavirus, or you might get cancer. You might have a hard time in certain situations. You might not ever be rich, whatever. But God will bless faithfulness, true repentance, true dying to self, living to him. And God will bless that. But the purpose of that blessing it's not just to be happy, but it's to take that and bless others. That's right. And it's a spiritual blessing as well, too. Something that the mm. peace that the world will never know. And so, you know, one thing, too, to know as we close up here, um, believers, you should always at the end, your, your work should always promote God. 
and lead others to God in some form or fashion. And I think that's one thing that can also separate our works as well as we look, because we want to make sure we're leading people into an understanding of our, the creator who we worship. So uh, anyhow, and also don't, don't think cursing hardships can't be a blessing. I'm ministering to a 21 year old kid who lost his dad at 21 and he now sees it as a blessing because he understands that God has given him that pain to wake him up, to break the curse that's been on his family. So it's been a blessing to hear him say these type of things. And so anyhow, just want to thank you guys so much for listening to this uh, Generations Church podcast. We release a new episode of our Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude every Tuesday. Occasionally, you get a special episode on a Thursday, um, and it's awesome. I hope you've been blessed by this podcast. I hope you're taking the time. Please write a review. Please give it a share. Let others hear what's going on, and let us know what you think. Appreciate you. Take care, and God bless. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.